keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast to remind us all that our creative urges are awesome, including the sexy ones, no matter what sort of cultural messages we've received or even may still get. If it's legal and all parties involved are enthusiastically consenting, I'm here to celebrate it with you. Our guest today is a 28-year-old pansexual kinky submissive in a monogamous relationship, a behavior analyst who works with individuals with disabilities and is getting her PhD studying human sexuality. She's into butt stuff, role play, water sports, originally grew up in Las Vegas and now lives in Guam. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hi, thank you. <laughs> if you could rate yourself today for us on a shame-a-meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey, where do you fall in this moment? I think for me right now in this moment, I would put myself at an anxious two because I know we're going to talk a little bit about some things that I do feel a little bit shame around, but I would, yeah, I would say a two. I love that. Okay. I'm sending love to your anxious two. Can you give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? Right now, I'd say variable. So I'm in a relationship with a partner, with a male body partner, and he was very vanilla before we got together. And so navigating that has been a challenge. You know, sex is really important to me in my relationships. Obviously I'm going for my PhD in it. And so I would say it's not as frequent as I would like, definitely. And then it's an interesting balance. I think I heard you talk about this on the podcast of like, well, I'm a submissive, so I don't want to tell you what to do because I want you to just do it. But also I need to explain this to you because this is totally new to you. And I really like you as a person, but how can we make this work better so variable would probably be the best answer sometimes it's really great and sometimes it's just like how can we get this like come on i love the like condensed nuance of that answer we are going to get into all those details but first can you just give us a little more like favorites and least favorites when it comes to sex favorite is definitely just connected it doesn't have to be i don't have to be super serious but i just it like flows and feels more natural and silly things will happen for sure. But it's just like, we're both in this moment together for me too. I know I've heard you mention this. It takes time for me to like sink in and relax in my body to like enjoy the moment. So when I'm not worried about like, does he actually like this? Is he just doing this? Or now I have to tell you how to do this. That's my favorite when it's just confidence and we're just kind of going for it and seeing where it takes us. You know, I love foreplay. I love things done with intention and like, I don't want to say selfish, but sometimes to be just selfish and yeah. things, just, you know, time taken for me. And then I love when partners are vocal about what they want, because that, again, helps me just like, OK, I'm doing the right thing, whether it's with direct instruction or just like with moaning or something to let me know I'm on the right track. I really don't like hesitancy, myself included. And I do this, you know, like, is this the right thing? Or maybe we should try this. And that's not clear. I just want it clear. Like we're liking this. We're not liking this. And with my partner right now, it's a challenge because sometimes when I try to communicate very directly, like, yeah, this, I see what you're trying. This isn't working for me. It can be like an instant turnoff for them. And then that just frustrates me. So. And then can you just give us a definition of what does sexy mean to you? I think it's really sexy for me and my partner. I, I mean, it kind of falls on the same way. It can just let go of any type of concern and focus on whatever experience we're trying to have together. If it's pleasure seeking, if it's exploring and just kind of let go of all the outside noise or concerns or those things. It's very sexy. Now tell us what happens to your shame meter when it's time to talk about safer sex. 
And what would an ideal safer sex conversation sound like for you? Oh, well, I'm just comfortable talking about sex in general. But if I'm talking with someone like a stranger or is not a current partner talking about safe sex, I feel very comfortable asking. In Vegas, there was like an app where you could literally have your results there and you could share it with people on the spot so you can talk about it. Again, not that I don't trust people, but, you know, if I'm going to allow this to happen, I'd like to just see it. And again, an STI or an STD or whatever, you know, that's not like a deal breaker. It's just I want to have those conversations beforehand. I'm not uncomfortable with it. And if someone gets weirded out or they are uncomfortable with it, then they're probably Probably not somebody that I want to be playing with or totally. Okay, now please take us back to your early years. When do you first remember hearing about sex, and what do you remember thinking and feeling about it? I don't remember like the exact moment that I heard the word sex, but I do remember early on, like second and third grade. I had a couple girlfriends, and this is something that I used to feel so shameful about, where we would just be naked with each other and like exploring our bodies. And it started with like hands and then definitely moved to mouths and like started just on our bodies, but definitely went to genitals. And for years, like this, the same group of like couple of girlfriends and we never said sex. I never heard oral sex. We called it the ooey gooey game. I don't know why. Yes. <laughs> so that was pretty young, I think. And I have a twin sister and finally one day I told her about it. And so like not her and I, but her and like my friends then got into it. And then I just remember it stopping. I was so for so long, so embarrassed and shameful and like didn't want to share. And now as I'm like learning more about sex and child development, like it's pretty normal. Yeah. But I don't think I connected that to sex for a while. Okay. But where did the shame feelings come from in that case? I don't know. I guess that's a good question. Maybe I knew it was something that like, it's not like we did it in the living room. We did it like behind closed doors. And I think like we would feel like pleasure and there would be times where we'd be like, no, we need to stop this. You know, a couple sleepovers later, we'd be like, okay, yeah, let's just like, let's do this again. I don't know if maybe just the fact that it had to do with vulvas and genitals and like we were peeing. So we thought it was dirty, like not in the moment, but just like maybe that because I really don't remember thinking like sex or thinking like this is what adults do. Not that I can recall. I have an older sister, just a few years older. I remember her in my house having a back massager and I just remember like it coming out and my family just like looking back. I'm like, this was so terrible, but like laughing at her and like telling the family and telling family friends. And I didn't know why people were like, oh, ho, ho, she has a massager. But I just laughed because I was a little kid and trying to join in on the group, but I had no idea. Yeah. Looking back, I really okay, they were making fun of her for masturbating and that was totally not cool. You know, that was not a nice thing. And then the only other thing my mom, I remember her telling me when I was pretty little, like, you know, you can ask me anything about sex. I'm always open to talk about it. But then like in the same breath made us promise, like, but make a swear to your grandmother that you won't have sex until after you graduate high school. So it was like this contradictory, we can talk about it and be open, but don't do it. Uh, Did you say swear to your grandmother? Yeah, my grandma, you know, we all just adored her. And I don't know, maybe she didn't think that if we promised her, it would be enough. But if we promised my grandma, we would want to hold true to it. Yeah, she's like the family saint. Okay. So that was the extent of your sex talk? That was really the extent that I remember. Up until I needed birth control for other reasons. There was no talk really about sex. Boys weren't allowed in the house upstairs. Boys weren't allowed behind closed doors. Really nothing when I was little from her. Okay. What about school? I remember like most people that talk in fifth grade where you get separated and watch a video about a girl getting a period at her friend's sleepover. (laughs) And then that was it. And then in high school, I went to a performing arts school and I remember someone else shared this on the podcast. I'm like, did we go to the same school? I remember having to shout penis and had to shout vagina so we could be comfortable talking about it. But there really wasn't much. And I just remember 
It was very heteronormative. And I just remember having to take home this anatomical baby that cried and you had to have the bracelet with the key. So you had to take care of it so you could feel like what it would be like if you had a kid basically to discourage and scare tactic. Don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and your life will end. And that's really all I remember. Wow. So I'm hearing explorations that you had no idea were connected to sex that are very normal for young children, the curiosity games. And I'm hearing a lot of like, we don't really talk about it, semi-formal sex talks. How did you start exploring your own body with yourself? Well, aside from those when I was like younger in grade school, I then did have a friend in middle school and high school, another girlfriend, friend who was a girl who also kind of like would talk to me about sex and share with me. But as far as actually masturbating and like exploring myself, I wasn't until after I was having sex that I masturbated for the first time. And my sister I feel so bad again, looking back now, my twin sister would want to talk to me about it. And I think because of what happened when I was younger and I just didn't want to talk to her about it. I was so like, ew, that's gross. We're not talking about this. Now we talk about sex and everything. But at the time when I was in middle school and high school, I was just like, ew, that's so gross. We're not going to talk about it. Talk to someone else about it. Probably looking back, I think it's because I was feeling really shameful about just things that I was doing. That makes sense. So when did you start learning more or thinking more or how did media factor in or what were the next kind of steps in your sexual journey? I had a serious boyfriend in high school and I think that's probably where most of like, you know, my, I first had like oral sex. Oh, did I get anything from media? Not really. I mean, there was like back in the day, those AOL chats that you could get in like random chat rooms, but it wasn't like part of my life. But I do remember that like lying about, oh yeah, I'm a 21 year old female with like double D breath, whatever I was probably. (laughs) That was not true, but I didn't learn much from that. And then I had a good friend who lived with us who was very sexually active. So she would share stories and then just having a partner who I could kind of explore those things with. But I remember trying to stick my hand in his pants and he was like, it's too soon. And I was just like mortified. And if we had been dating for like, I don't know, six, eight months, I think just exploring it with a partner. My boyfriend in high school was when I like first started like going into oral sex and hand jobs and getting fingered and, you know, building up to sex or what I thought like we were going to have sex. When you went to stick your hands in his pants and he said it's too soon, was that your first forward attempt with a partner? Probably to that extent. Yeah. Like inside of clothing. Yeah. What did that do for your little sexual self that was trying to blossom? I just remember wanting to die. I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it long term. Like what effect did that have on me? Obviously, I'm still trying to stick my hand down people's pants. So (laughs) I think I didn't like make any initiations in our relationship after that for a while. I I do definitely remember that. I was like, okay, And I felt bad, of course. And, uh, you know, I just misread the moment. Did you and he end up exploring a little bit later on when it was the right time? Or how did that unfold for you? I don't remember exactly the timeline, but we were together for a couple of years later. We ended up having oral sex and he went down on me and I went down on him. So obviously I also touched his penis. And so we went beyond that later. And if I can remember correctly, honestly, I don't think it was much later. I feel like it was like weeks later. Okay. So maybe he wasn't ready in that moment. And that's totally fine. What happened next? What was the next kind of step? So you weren't masturbating. You were fooling around. There was some oral stuff. What happened next? And you're in high school at this point? Yeah, I'm in high school, junior or senior. I think it was pretty stagnant. And then we broke up and nothing really until the first time I had sex, which maybe we want to put a warning out there, wasn't consensual. Trigger warning, non-consent. Will you tell us what details feel relevant for your personal story? Sure. Yeah. Actually, it's the same partner, which is not a surprise because it's very rarely the stranger in the alley. We were broken up. I had asked him to prom anyways. 
So was prom night, which is also why I hate this story. Even though I had wanted to have sex at some point, I think it's important to know is because like for a long time, I just kind of was like, well, it wasn't rape because, you know, I did want to have sex with him before. And it wasn't until I took my first human sexuality course where the teacher was like, consent. It's like music, which I'm a musician. It's like, you can bring your instruments and decide you don't want to play. You can start playing and decide you want to stop jamming. Like literally in class watching this video on like how consent is like playing music, I just started crying because I was like, yeah, okay, that was me. And so for a long time, it was like hard to talk about it because I feel like people would be like, yeah, but you liked him or you used to date him or yada, yada. So it took a while to like accept. But no, I said no, my boundaries were violated. So Fast forward to prom night and I lied and said I was staying at a friend's house and I don't even know how we got a hotel. I wasn't 18 yet and neither was he. So that was an issue and everybody was getting hotels in Vegas because it was prom weekend. And so we ended up getting one. And honestly, I really don't remember. And I do hate this, you know, because it was the first time I had sex. All I remember, and this is going to sound bad, but it's the truth. All I remember is just laying down and crying. And saying like, no, that's really all I remember. And then I remember driving home because I was driving because he didn't drive in the car. And I said to him, you know, you pretty much just raped me. I remember this. I remember saying that. And I don't remember his response. And I dropped him off at his house. And that was it. And then I just kept it inside. And I didn't tell anybody because like I shared, my mom was like, don't have sex until you graduate high school. And I hadn't. I didn't tell my sisters. I just felt like I had nothing Because up until this point, I just felt like, you know, I lost my virginity, so nobody's going to want me, and now I have nothing to offer. And so then going forward for the next bit of time, the men that I was entertaining myself with or that I was engaging with, the people in general, were people that I probably would have never considered, you know, people who are fine humans but into drugs and, you know, heroin addicts and just, like, people that I wouldn't have wanted to associate. That's who I was giving my body to because I felt like nobody else was going to want me. Whoa. Okay. So it sounds like the judgment that you learned to point at yourself was affecting your dating choices after that. Okay. What did that lead to? How did your sexual self continue from there on out? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I was having partners who just weren't really... I don't even think I was in relationships. It wasn't even like casual sex. It was just a couple people who looking back, I was like, that was a bad choice. And Mm. I think it just simultaneously happened when I did graduate, I moved out of Vegas. So like proximity of location to those people brought me out of that situation. Yeah, I think that was it really. I left and then I moved to a different island and it just wasn't happening. So I wasn't having sex with strangers. Wow. Okay. How are you meeting the people in Vegas? Like, how are you meeting heroin addicts? I worked at this thrift store in like downtown Las Vegas that was called Sabres. I love it. One of the things about the organization is they hire ex-felons, which a lot of places don't, which is a whole other conversation. And so I was just young because I was in high school and I was around men and women who had been out of jail or prison. And so that's how I was meeting them. Mm -hmm. And then I also started uh, getting like tattoos and like piercings. And so I was hanging around like tattoo and piercing shops late at night after work. So that's how I was like meeting people like that. So then you moved to an island and it was not a very sexy place. The island was a very sexy place, but oh. I was 18. And so I moved to Anguilla. So it's like three miles by 16 miles. It's small in wow. the Caribbean. And I moved with a client. And so I lived with the family that I worked for. Not an au pair, but kind of similar situation. So because I literally lived in their home, oh. that was, you know, <laughs> difficult to navigate sexual partners. Yeah. And then I was just 
so young and I just didn't know. So there, there just wasn't much. I was interested in people. I was only there for a year. It was really interesting because on the island, like the first thing you see when you get on the island is like this big HIV map. And at the time, I didn't really know much about AIDS or HIV or STIs in general. So I just remember seeing that and being like, oh, it was like an HIV tracing app. And it just showed one person and it was like red lines just everywhere, how it gets around and like the island has HIV. So I remember, I do remember seeing that when I got to the island. And I'm sure that probably also played like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to have sex. Oh, wow. OK. So did you have sex at all while you were there? I did experiment with two women. Not a lot, just like going down on a woman and her going down on me. So even though looking back at the time, I didn't identify as like pansexual. I just was like, oh, I'm just trying this, you know? Okay. Yeah, that was it. Like just two occurrences, like out of the entire year. So. Okay. Okay. Do you want to answer what's your definition of sex in general? Or when did you discover your pansexuality or maybe both of them in whatever order you please? So the pansexuality, it's definitely been more recent. Because again, like I messed around with obviously when I was little, female-bodied humans. And then when I was not in a relationship and I was just casually sleeping with partners, you know, I had a roommate. Sometimes we'd make out, sometimes we'd hook up. I was just trying to get her in on a threesome and we'd do that. And so I just felt like I had to have a man, like we make out and stuff just because it's fun. But then like, I need a guy in order to like have Mm. sex. But I realized more recently, maybe in the last couple of years, like that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess it was one of my college courses. I had a, a woman in my class and I just was like, oh, I have a huge crush on this woman. And I actually had a boyfriend at the time. And I told him like, I have this girl in my class and I'm like totally into her. And like, we went on a date and I guess maybe then. So five years ago, I realized, okay, it's not just a fun thing to do at bars. It's like, no, you actually like women and you like men and you like whoever you like everybody. You just like everybody. And yeah, that's okay. I get it. Circling back to the island, in that time of not so many good opportunities, did you get to explore your own self a little bit more? When did that start happening for you? I still didn't. (gasps) Okay. Again, man, so many missed opportunities. It wasn't until I moved back to Vegas and I had a partner. I still at this point hadn't had an orgasm. Ever. Ever. So I had a boyfriend when I moved back and we started having sex and I shared that I just, I felt like I didn't know how to Mm -hmm. orgasm I would just stop and now I realize I was getting close to climax but at the time I was just always stopping myself because it was like I don't know what's gonna happen and I just don't want it to happen it just feels too much it's so stop 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 and so it wasn't until this partner took the time to like I don't even remember how but just kind of make me feel relaxed enough to like ride it through so I was already 20 years old maybe 21 when I had my first orgasm at all and it was through partnered sex And then after that relationship is when I first masturbated for the first time. Okay, so it was after the relationship ended and you were just like using the partner to get off in the meantime? I don't remember if it was during the relationship or not, to be honest. I don't remember if I started masturbating while we were together or if it was after. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until after I had had an orgasm partnered that I started to explore and masturbate myself to the point of orgasm or just... Nice. Okay, This might be a good place to tell us, what did you learn about your parts when you were touching yourself? What do they like? What do they need? What are the favorites? Are there any do not go zones? 
Gosh, I'm not that old, but I feel like I can't remember. At that time, I definitely didn't use any toys because, again, I think I was still really, really shameful. So, like, there was no sex toys. It was all, it was just with my hands. And I don't really remember, but I imagine it was more just, like, get it done. Versus now when I masturbate, it's so exploratory. And I love toys. And I just feeling the different ways that I can orgasm. I don't have nipple orgasms. I hear about that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Don't get me wrong. There are times where I'm like, okay, I just really need to get off right now. But. A lot of times I just like to feel all the different things because I do feel like they're so different. And I I hear people talk about this too. But for me personally, I like to edge myself. I like to use different toys and see how it makes my orgasm develop. You know, sometimes they're really short. Sometimes they feel like they're so long, like it's just completely. And then sometimes when I'm masturbating, I feel like okay, if I have this orgasm or I come, I'm going to need to come like five or six more times. So sometimes I'm even like, there's some toys that I won't use because I'm like, if I do this, I know I'm just going to be like the next hour and a half. I'm just going to keep going and going. That's amazing. Is you shutting that part down like the practical, like I have life to live? Or is that the part that like doesn't want to be greedy? No, it's like I have something to do. Okay. And I just- just like, I can't go through this right now and just spend an hour and a half masturbating over and over. But sometimes I do. That's so fucking cool. Okay, so I'm just going to be honest and say I've never spent an hour and a half masturbating. And I know that people probably are like, oh, you have all this. But like, I don't. I'm so hardworking and I love working so much that when I am by myself, I'm pretty practical. And oftentimes, like, I love efficiency orgasms. And then I have times where I like adjust. But like, what's it feel like in your body when you're like, oh, I need another one? Like, can you even put it into words? And can you like describe, like you said, long and short? Are there different like? Oh, I have I have my toys here on the table because I was like, I want to be ready. I've never had like an air pulser and everyone talks about them. So like this one, but from vibe this is one that i'm still scared to use (laughs) why i don't know because it is one i feel like when i use this toy like and i orgasm then i'm like okay i want to do it again like i've come probably six seven eight times in like a 30 minute period so it doesn't mean it has to be a long time like i'll come and then i'll be like okay i need to go again but it's like in my body like it's just gnawing like okay i don't want to say anxious it's almost like i came but i didn't come fully and i need to come again i don't know if they're like mini orgasms but it's like i need to do it again and it takes a really like big one to be like okay now i can relax so this toy i do use sparingly because i'm like i'm scared i know what's gonna happen (laughs) so that toy it's an air pulser are you able to place it directly on your clit Sometimes, sometimes I am. Sometimes I can turn that bad boy up, up, up all the way. And then sometimes I literally feel like I'm putting it next to my clitoris and it's just the feeling of it is good enough. That's so Mm. cool. And it's so funny because I can relate to what you're saying about the like, it's like I do come, but sometimes the like little comes build or or there's like a gigantic mountain. But I've only ever experienced that with a partner. And now I'm like, "Ah, is it because I'm so impatient? Oh my God, my impatience is going to be the... Maybe not the death of me, but the non-come of me. Okay, so it's only that toy that creates that experience, or are there other ones, or or do you ever have it with hands? Or does it happen to you with partners? It does happen with partners. So, like, this is one of the challenges right now with my partner is, you know, and everybody is different. He's definitely a partner. When he comes, that's it, and it's not happening again, you know, that day. So I struggle with that because, like, we'll finish having sex, and I'll come, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm ready to, like, let's go again. And he's just, like, I can't even. So it does. It definitely happens with partners. I think it probably happens more with partners, like, where I'm like, okay, more, here we go. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I just want to show you this, like, super cute sex toy because it's, like, a popsicle. 
Shut up. Oh my God. That's so cute. What brand is that? place called spectrum boutique and it's supposed to be like all inclusive so that's why i like yeah. it but this is called ice cream and it's like body safe blah 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 but you can put it in the freezer and make it cold i haven't done that yet but it's just so cute so oh my god okay that's so cute also i'm supposed to be going to a sex party this coming weekend that's like candy themed and i've been like trying to find like a lollipop shaped sex toy and i haven't found it yet but maybe that maybe that that's so cool okay so you're now a person who knows how to masturbate. Are you still with this boyfriend? No, you broke up. You broke up with that that one that you were. Okay, so what happened next in your sex life? We're in your 20s now. So that partner and I split up. At this time was the first time I was like casually sleeping with people. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure apps were a thing, but not that I really recall. And I was a performer in Las Vegas, so I sing and I play the cello. And so I had a lot, I don't want to say a lot of opportunities, but there were more opportunities just because I was out and I was in the crowd meeting people. And so I think I took upon that time to just find partners and, you know, have some of the best sex I have had, some of the worst sex that I've had, and just kind of explore. It wasn't like one night stands. There was one, but I was just like had, I guess, what, fuck buddies, like people that I was just sleeping with that was no relationship. Mm -hmm. It's great, I think, for me to explore. And that was actually the first time and I think only time I had the vaginal orgasm, like no clitoral stimulation. Haven't happened again yet. Just once ever? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What was the scenario? What happened? It was a gentleman I was sleeping with casually, and I don't know if it was a position. Now, the more I learn about anatomy, I'm like, maybe there was some type of clitoral stimulation, but I was like on my back with my body, like lifted up, ass up like that. And he was like on his knees Mm -hmm. and he was fucking me. And also it was the first time I came at the same time as my partner. And I think it was just a vaginal organ. I wasn't touching myself. He wasn't touching my clitoris and we both just came. It was great. Wow, that's so cool. Do you have any other highlights from that time, like high or low lights? Oh, my worst. After my first boyfriend where I started having sex and masturbating and yada yada, he broke up with me. And it was my 21st birthday and I'm in Vegas. So I went to like a day beach club with my friends, you know, like the pool. And there was this man who was like so beautiful, tatted down MMA fighter from Ireland. And I was just like, I love accents and everything about this human. And so after a strong pursuit of my end and hanging out, he couldn't have sex because they can't have sex before a fight. Most people know this, but I didn't know that because they have to save their like testosterone. And so finally after his fight, you know, and it was going to happen and I was so excited and it was like my first one night stand and he was so beautiful. It was so bad. (laughs) And I don't want to say size was a part of it, but there was definitely a size piece to it that I want to share, you know, very small. It was just really bad and awkward. And at that time we didn't talk a lot about sex before having it. It was very short. There was nothing for me. I think he came And so the next morning we were at Starbucks at the hotel and I just had to tell him, I couldn't not say something. I had to tell him. And so I don't even remember how I brought it up. I think I said that was like the worst sex. (laughs) (laughs) But the best part of the story and why I think people should talk about this is he was like, yeah, I know. And he was like, this has been a challenge for me and my ex. I think it was his ex-wife. And so he was like, can we talk about it? And I was like, yes, let's talk about it. And so he was like, can we talk about it? And I was like, yes, let's talk about it. And so we actually ended up, we hung out 
and I talked to him for years, like after he went back to Ireland and he like worked on his and sexual relationship, he got back with his partner and like we talked for so long and had such a good friendship. And he was like, this really was helpful. So I think we should just talk about it. We should talk about it. Yeah. That is the best worst story I have heard so far. I mean, the only person I've been with who's been on the smaller side, it, our sex was so awkward and bad. And the whole time I was just like, am I supposed to talk about size? Do I, What do I do? I don't know how to do this situation. And then like, I think that created like a mutual awkwardness where there was like a disconnection. And I just love so much that you talked about it with him. And that then he was like, met you and was like, yes. Do you feel like you grew from that? Do you feel like that influenced some of your decision to study what you're studying now? Like, how did that part unfold for you? I haven't really thought much about that part, but probably because one of people will ask me, like, why do you want to just what my thoughts about sex? And I always will say, I really do think any two people can have really great sex. And so that's what excites me about sex. If you could just talk about it, I think you can have really great sex. And yeah, I'm sure he had played a big part of that. And it also, I think, encouraged me to just like, we need to talk about it. Because if we hadn't said anything, I, he needed to know. Like, yeah. <laughs> And we needed to have a conversation about it. And, you know, we built such a beautiful friendship. And then, you know, whether he had other reasons too, but he did share that, you know, like he was able to take what we discussed and apply it with his partner. And we would communicate for, like I mentioned, for a couple of years about like, and I was trying this and what do you think about that? And now I can talk to her about this. And so, you know, I just think it can help one person. I don't remember your original question, but I just think it's so important. And I think we should talk about it. And I'm sure that did shape my thought of, you know, we should be more comfortable with this. Absolutely. Was that your first time talking to one of these partners during this casual era about sex? And from then on, were you inspired to like talk more ahead of time or, or how was that for you? Yeah, he was definitely the first because I think he was the first person I slept with even after that relationship. So now, yeah, thinking chronologically, then I, you know, the other people I started casually sleeping with, we did talk a lot about sex before we had it. I think because one, I was very clear, like, I don't want a relationship with you. Like, this is purely, you know, we, we can hang out and we can have sex and that's great. And so I think that kind of took away some of the pressure for me that I was able to say, like, and here's what I like and here's what I don't like. And, and I don't have to worry about, I don't want to say hurting your feelings, but this is what we both signed up for. And so we can communicate about it. At that time, I felt like I was so open. Looking at how I have conversations now, I probably wasn't as open as I am now. But yeah, we could just communicate about it beforehand. Yeah, I think it was, it felt easy to me at the time. And I think that partner and I just realized we just had really great sex. Like the couple people that I was having sex with, it was just really good. So I was lucky. But then I did have another partner during that same time where we didn't have really great sex. And if I reflect back on it, I had more feelings for him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't communicate very well. And this was my first threesome experience and reflecting on it now, which I haven't really, it, that probably all added up to why it was not a really good experience. I have questions, but can you start off by saying more about that? I had a roommate that I was like super attracted to, beautiful human inside and out. You know, we would make out and we would fool around, never to the full extent of us like having sex. Like I hadn't gone down at her at this point. She hadn't gone down on me. But I was sleeping with this guy who I kind of liked more than just like someone that I was sleeping with. But I was like, let's have a threesome. We weren't dating and I was still sleeping with other people. But I was like, let's have a threesome. I've always wanted to. And then I have this beautiful human who's also interested. And so her and I were actually looking for a third person to have a threesome together because we just really were like, yeah, let's do this. And so I wish we had found someone else. But anyway, we ended up <laughs> with this guy. And so we all went out to dinner and it was kind of awkward because I think her and I were like 
yeah, we're ready. And I don't know if he was just kind of trying to feel out the night or he was like, is this really happening or, or what? So we get back to his place and I don't remember her or I had started it. But in that moment, one, we didn't really talk about it. Two, I had never experienced it before. We weren't really sure how to navigate it. And it just, I felt really insecure. Mm. Like when they started like interacting and she was like much more vocal than I was. And so at the time that was something that I was like, oh, well maybe he really likes that. And I'm, I don't really, you know, I'm not like that. And she had like, in my mind, the perfect body. So then that was making me insecure. And then like, we just couldn't get it to where we were all participating and nobody felt left out. And I feel like it kind of just ended up like, them having sex and then I just felt left out in my mind it's like and then yeah. him and I never together again and then her and I never messed around again so whoa okay I felt so much like he just would have rather and this was definitely my own insecurity mm-hmm. like he just would have rather been with her so that's where it ended wow okay I can super duper relate to that because I've definitely been in a threesome where I was like her boobs are perfect she can come so easily oh my god oh they love each other what am I doing here you know like like where it's so easy to just have those stories okay I want to circle back to a few things you said you said something that led me to believe that now you have a lot more skills when it comes to talking to partners about things ahead of time so I want to hear about that And then I also want to hear, like, at what point did you decide to get your PhD in sexuality? And was that before or after you discovered kink? After I was, you know, casually having sex with partners and all of this experience, I started my, I think I was only in my undergraduate and it was instant psychology. So one of the elective courses I took was a human sexuality course. And I think that class just like opened up my mind. You know, I remember like the first day where my teacher had like this big plush velvet and she was like, all right, who could tell me what this is? And nobody, not myself, like we were all like a vagina, a pussy, blah, blah, blah. None of us could say it. And this was so resonated with me because it was a vulva. I had never even heard that word before. Oh. And I was already sexually active. So that just like blew my mind. So from that course where we just talked about, I mean, I had the coolest professor. I just absolutely love her. She was talking about, you know, everything. It was just an intro class, but I had a group of 30 adults who also didn't really know how to talk about sex, hadn't talked about consent, didn't know what kink was, didn't even know the anatomy of their body. Where I was like, wow, this is so sad as far as like sex education goes and also really cool. And so I just loved that class and I always knew that I wanted to come back to it. She also had asked this question to the class, like how many people have dated somebody or had sex with somebody with a disability? Mm -hmm. And at the time I was already working with people with disabilities and nobody raised their hand. And she made this point of like how this is a population we just continue to desexualize or just like infantilize. Like we just don't see them as sexual partners. You know, like at this time I had felt so woke because I was working with like individuals with disabilities, but I was like, wow, she's right. Like physical or cognitive. Like I never saw a guy in a wheelchair at this time and was like, oh yeah, he's hot. Mm-hmm. Like I just really didn't even like take female male as a perspective. Now I check out everybody. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I get it. But at this time I did it. And so I think that's what started my, like, there's something more to this, especially with the population that I serve. I kept seeing it come up, you know, as I worked predominantly with young children, but then as like kids were getting older and going through puberty, and then I ran a teen group at this time, it was all individuals with autism or autistic people. I just saw it come up and come up again, like just the social peace and sexuality and parents didn't want to talk about it and school didn't talk about it. And so 
that I think always was in the back of my mind. I want to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this for one way or the other. And then in that class, I had a serious partner. I actually was engaged. We talked a lot about sex just because I'd get out of this class and I'd be like, oh my gosh, we talked about this and this is so great. And he was so supportive and so like interested. At this time though, I didn't really think of myself as kinky. Like I didn't really, I went to a couple workshops that my professor did, like, you know, how to give oral sex, you know, just like BDSM intro workshops. What was I doing during college? Like what the actual, I was like volunteering on set. Why wasn't I doing that? Okay. Wow. And, and so one of the things she gave me at one of these workshops was like the checklist. I have two of them and it's all these things to go through with your partner. I've tried it. I've never tried it. I'm interested or it's like a hard no for me, you know? And so like, it's just like this vast checklist. And when I got that, I think I started to kind of go into the realm of, Hmm, maybe I'll be interested in these things. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's what started like my interest in kink. I was like, keep this in the back of your brain because you're going to want to go back to learn more about this. So I actually wanted to do my master's when I was in Vegas in public health in human sexuality. In the middle, I moved to Guam and that program didn't exist and blah, blah, blah. So I had to switch. Wow. So you just leveled up into a PhD. Yeah. So I ended up doing my master's in, it's just applied behavior analysis and special education for a long time, going back and forth of like, do I want to do a certification? You don't really need it. You don't need to have a certification to be like a sex educator. But if you do have one, it can be helpful for things that you want to do. So I, for years, and I was then married, which that'll come up. Like he was just like, don't do it. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, do I want to just do the certification? It's five grand and I can learn a lot. Or do I just want to learn through experience or do I want to go to school for it? But I love school. I really do. And so ultimately that was the decision. And I was looking for programs and that's what made me do like, no, I'm going to do a PhD instead of a second master's. So amazing. And how far in are you to your PhD? I'm like six weeks in. I am just brand new in the first semester. And yeah, I just had my first, we call them like academic residencies, which is if it were, if, you know, it wasn't COVID, we would all be together in person. Yeah. But COVID. And thankfully for me, since I'm so far, we do it via Zoom, but it was like four days, my time, 1 a.m. to 11 a.m., but normal people time, like nine to five and just immersed in like these seminars and workshops and talking about sex. And yeah, it's just, I'm just so excited. It's oh so my God, that's so cool. I'm so excited for you. Also, you're like night shift working to go to school. That's amazing. And your poor body also. How has that affected your sex life? You know, for me, I'm good, okay. so, but I do that it has of my partner. I think part of the reason why we struggle is because he works, he's the air traffic control man. So in front of the computer guy, not the, okay. this guy. And so his shifts are like four to midnight, four to midnight. Then it'll be like 7.30 a.m. to 3.30. It's just rotating and it's so never- So you both have weird schedules. Yeah, so his sleep is just always off. So I think that maybe has to do with him not really being able to just go, go, go. But for me, I don't know. I'm just high on life. I'm just like ready. I'm like, yes, all the things. Let's have sex. Let's go. Oh my God. Amazing. Well, first of all, will you please come back when you're at the end of your program and talk to me again? I definitely want this to be like a time capsule. Like that's so amazing. Is it a four-year program? So two years coursework, and then it just depends on your on how long. research, okay. which I don't really even understand the process. I'm just hoping that I'll be able to do it. <laughs> I'll be here. I mean, like if I'm on this planet, I'll be here. So, okay. So you had this experience where you're like, hmm, I want to come back to these things. I want to learn about these things. When did you start learning about the kinky things? Like I mentioned, I had a partner at the time I was engaged, that relationship ended. And then I got into a relationship with a new partner and 
him and I started with this checklist and it really started there and going through what we were interested in. And I think it took having this partner. He was, he's my ex-husband now. So we did get married and he had tried some things that I hadn't, but also just did it in such a way that made me feel comfortable. So this was the first partner who introduced me to anal sex, which I love, 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 yeah. love that For so long, I was like, it's an exit, not an entrance. Like I was so like against all these things. And I look back and I'm like, girl, if you only knew that was probably one of the first things is like, he was interested in it and I was maybe kind of interested, but I was like, okay, you know, I want to try this. And I really have to give him all the credit because he took the time to just make it such an enjoyable experience and warm up to it, you know, using plugs, using hands and then going into anal sex. And it was so like, I just literally remember laying there like afterwards and him providing like, how was that for you? And the aftercare and like holding me. And I was just like, yeah, that was okay. Like it wasn't, I hear about people's experiences and it's like, no, try again. It was so good. And then I think I liked it from day one. I know I heard, I've heard wow. you share, it took you wow. like eight months or so to mm-hmm. get into it, but I, I liked it from the beginning. I was like, yeah, this is great. And so had I not had a partner who was so like in tune to me, then probably not, but it was great as soon as we started it. And then I was like, yep, let's just put this on the rotation. Beautiful. Can you tell us what you like about it? I love, I mean, I'm sure people would describe it. For me, it's just like that feeling of just being so full. It's just so good. Even when I, you know, if I'm having vaginal intercourse, I would most days prefer to have like a butt plug or something else in as well. When I masturbate, I just like fill all my holes, just like everything. And so I just really enjoy the feeling of being full. There's definitely an order. So like when I'm getting close or after I orgasm, like that needs to come out pretty quickly. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just getting it. If I'm going to orgasm, I like it to stay in while I'm orgasming. But then after that's usually the first one, like anally, whatever's going on, I need to slowly get that out. And then like vaginally, it can come out. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just so good. I have a vibrating butt plug. Oh, I have it. And I just love it. I think my partner likes it too. I know. I know my partner likes it because like he can feel it. It The vibration doesn't do much for me, but I know it does a lot for him. And so I'm into it. Was that your first entrance into kind of the feeling of a power dynamic? Yeah, I would definitely say so. And he and I, so it started probably with anal sex. And then I don't think we did as much power play as I like now. I'm sure there was light choking and breath play. And we had bed restraints. We used those. But we didn't do as much probably as I like to have in my regular rotation now. But I think he was just dominant in general. Like that was just his personality. So he was going to be the guy to like throw you against the wall. And he was going to be the guy to like kind of take charge. And so maybe without explicitly having conversations about it, that dynamic was kind of already in play. So how did the rotation of your kinky things start to shift? Am I hearing correctly that that seems like there's perhaps a little more formality or what? How would you describe your current kink self or what you prefer? With the same partner with my ex-husband, that's where I should say, and I know I'm like dancing around it because I still feel a little shame about it. But he, you know, he was just like, let's try this, let's try this. So then this goes into water sports and I think I should talk about it because we should talk about it. Let's start slowly, though. When he first was like water sports, did you know what it was? And what did you think? And what did you feel? And what, how, how did it happen slowly? slowly I don't slowly, think slowly. he used the word water sports. And honestly, I, I don't remember how it first came up. So he wanted me to urinate or pee. I'm sure I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. Because I was like feeling like, what if it's weird? What if it's, you know, how do you want this done? And what if I can? And what if it's really 
gross and I'm not hydrated enough. You know, I'm sure all those feelings around it happened, but we were on vacation from Guam. I was visiting my family back home in Vegas and we were having sex in my shower in my house that I grew up in. And I was like sitting on the edge of the tub and he was going down on me. And I just remember him telling me, like, just try, just try to relax enough to pee while he's going down on me. And that was the first time. And I think I did. I think I peed, not a lot, but I had one of the strongest orgasms I've ever had. Like literally like my legs, like tapping the tub like shaking and so I think that kind of opened up maybe we should try this again and so when we came back to Guam we were living in a hotel because we just hadn't found a place oh my gosh this poor hotel they never have to know or they already know I think because it wasn't our space we were like let's try it I should caveat but it doesn't matter for me I drink like a gallon water a day I eat I'm a vegan I eat clean I drink a lot of water I think that has helped me my urine is predominantly always clear. Mm. So lucky for him, lucky for me. Mm -hmm. The sensation, I think for me, I, when I try to explain it to people, it's like when I'm having an orgasm, it's kind of like pulling in sensation, but when I'm trying to urinate, it's like a pushing sensation. And so it just feels so like contradictory that it's one, it's really hard to do for me. Like when I'm so aroused, like I have to really like relax and whatever's going on, like needs to slow down so I can relax enough to even try. And sometimes I'd be like, I'm totally doing it. He's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I totally pink. He's like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> okay. So it's not like I can just be like, ta-da and go like, it takes some warming up and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes just trying to do it will make me come because it's just such a good feeling, but it moved from sitting in the shower at my mom's house. Sorry, mom, to in where we were staying, we would do it in the bed, you know, during 69, we've done it literally him laying down where he would like want me to just try from like standing like all over the floor to when we're having anal sex and doing it. Yeah. Like all the things. You pee when he's having anal sex with you or how does, or okay. Wow. Okay. Wait, can I ask a question? I thought all of your shame was going to be around receiving it. Have you received it at all? It's still just giving it. Does it change for you? It's just giving it. Wow. If we're like in a pool or like, no, probably more in the ocean and I'm like sitting with my partner and he starts to pee, that will kind of turn me on. But mm. as far as like having sex and my partner peeing on me, I think I was trying to be more equal. So I was like, let's try it. But I don't even remember if he did or not. And it's not really something that has come up that does anything for me sexually. Yeah. So I've never like truly received it. I'm so happy that it's enjoyable for you. Here's a thought experiment. My master recently told me about some porn that he was watching. I have not researched the like biological safety levels of this. So I'm just going to throw out that caveat. But it's something that's kind of stuck in my brain as like a hmm, I'm not not curious about it. He's watching this couple that like makes their own porn and the dude likes to pee in the woman's butthole. Like, first of all, I'm fascinated because I'm like, how do you pee with a hard-on? So, like, anyone out there who's peeing with hard-ons, I know it's possible, but I've talked to so many partners who are like, no, 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 can't happen. And then there's this part of me that's just, like, very intrigued. How does that strike you? Are you just like, oh, I don't know? I mean, I feel like I wouldn't really notice, so I'm like, sure, if you want to I'm just so curious if it feels like anything. Okay. Okay. I think I tried my partner pee inside of me, not anally, but, like, while he was fucking me. I don't think he did or could. If he did, then obviously it was not memorable. <laughs> sure, if you want to try it. But I, as far as like sometimes when I was 
were 69ing and I would push like he was drinking my urine. Yeah. I'm not yucking anyone's yum. For me, I don't think that I would enjoy that. Yeah. I've enjoyed it on certain days and on other days I was like, well, let's make sure we hydrate next time, you know? And like, I've also been the person that has like coughed because it wasn't hydrated enough and I've only done it a handful of times, but I'm open for the exploration and I really do get off on the power dynamic aspect of it. What other kinks are you into? Well, listening to this podcast, I feel like my partner right now is kind of like every time I'm like, oh, I heard this. He's like, I don't even want to because I'm like, yeah, I want to try this. And I heard this and this sounds good. Um, what other kinks do I have that I practice regularly? I do a lot of butt stuff. We do power play. You know, I like being submissive. I like being hit. I've only done with like hands. Okay. I've never tried yet a flogger or any other types of things. So I'm interested in exploring that. We were just talking about needing to get some good stuff. He's like the person who wants to research and find the best one. Actually, he's like the person who wants to research and then never buy it. (laughs) Stays in the endless research loop. I haven't done any water sports with this partner. I think that's why I feel so shameful about it because I've like mentioned it and it just didn't really go anywhere. And I think just in general, because I'm like, I like this and I like this. And I feel like, I think you shared this in a podcast. Sometimes I feel like I'm just being tolerated and Mm -hmm. not like, I want to try this too. And I love this. And, you know, so this is where part of our sexual dynamic is, it is a struggle because I just don't know what he's actually interested in, or he's just doing it because he thinks if he doesn't, then I'm going to be like looking elsewhere. I don't know. So we haven't done much outside of just anal toys, dirty talk. I like dirty talk which is new for him. So he's working on it, but I really like being told what to do, you know, just being taken public sex. Is that a kink? Like where? Like anywhere, like the Macy's dressing room. I've done like with previous partners, I had a partner who was like a security guard and like one of those, like, and I've been in there like while he's checking in people, like, and he's fucking me and I'm allowed. Oh, I've done that. Stop. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh my gosh. So you don't get too nervous. You're like, I'm into it. Yeah, I don't know that I always come in those situations. Yeah, doesn't matter. But I definitely am down. Yeah, I've had sex in an airplane bathroom. And I know people are like, how? I want that so bad. How did you do it, though? Like, how did you, was, were people asleep? Was it a long flight? Was it a short flight? Like, how'd you get in there? It was definitely a long flight. I feel bad. I think it might have been the handicapped bathroom because I think it was bigger than, like, just the regular bathroom. Uh, we were standing. I was standing, like, over the sink and he was behind me. Yeah, I didn't come, but he definitely did. And I think I was more nervous about people recognizing like him leaving and then me leaving and then (laughs) (laughs) like no one did anything. Yeah, on hikes, I hike a lot here. I have a lot of sex out in nature. Fuck yeah, that is so amazing. You also made it sound like you have introduced your current partner to some kinky things. How was that for you? So now, like I mentioned in your original question, I'm much more forward talking about sex. I didn't, he's my Tinderella. I met him on Tinder. <laughs> and when we were talking before we even met up, I, li- I do like to ask people, what are they into, you know, sexually? And so I'm very forward. I didn't go full on into that. I'm like, I would identify as like a kinkster, but I definitely shared. I like being tied down. I mentioned that I like being choked. I mentioned that I like being hit and he had never tried any of these things. And so what happened when we first had sex, it was so awkward because looking back and talking about it, he was trying to do all the things that I said I liked, but he had never done them before. And so it was just like, even the kissing was like, (laughs) and I really liked him at this point. So after we had sex and, you know, the next day I was to my friend, I was like, I just don't know what to do because I really like him, but it was so awkward and it was so not good. And I had to really think about, okay, why? Like even myself, I was really awkward. (laughs) It was just so bad. It was so (laughs) 
I think that kind of sparked our conversations about it because we both realized like this didn't necessarily work. How has it been? It's a struggle. Like I mentioned, wanting to be submissive, but also having to tell my partner what to do and what I like. It's a balance that I haven't even, I can't say that I've quite found. And then I do find talking with him about sex is harder than talking to a stranger about sex, which is so silly because how do I expect him to just know what I like? But sometimes I'll just be there and like, God, I hope he moves two inches to the left. And it's like so dumb. Like, why don't I just tell you, hey, you know, just a little bit to the left. But we do this as humans. And especially I feel like as women, there's a comedian who's like, I would never as a guy just have a girl be like punching me in the dick and be like, well, I hope she stops that. You know, I would tell. (laughs) Yes. We don't, you know. And so we have conversations like this. Like, I don't know why it's so hard to talk to you about this, but I feel really uncomfortable. And then in receiving feedback, because I don't want to say I'm like good at sex, but for example, oral sex, because that's usually a question you ask about blowjobs. I love blowjobs and I love giving them and I've been told I'm really good at them and I just love oral sex. And then with this partner, like he doesn't like his balls touched. So for me, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And so I realized in listening to your podcast, that's one of the reasons why I don't enjoy it as much is because Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know how to do it for him or what feels good. And he's also not very vocal. He's like, it's never, it's always feeling amazing. But for me in my brain, I'm like, he's not really doing anything. He's not really moaning. Like this is, this, is this good? This isn't good. And so then I just like, I don't enjoy it as much. I really digress from your topic. No, but- you didn't. I want to say some thoughts though, because I can relate so much because my latest lover has a lot in common with what you just shared. And I can also go into anxiety panic mode And if you're listening in order, you perhaps have not gotten to episodes yet where about a year ago, I discovered with a past new lover who also wasn't as communicative as I would have liked. Basically, one afternoon, I was like, I would like to use you as a test subject now. And I would like to try different sensations and you tell me how they feel. We did that as a practice with like different parts of his penis and kind of like brainstorming together different types of strokes and kind of going back and forth and taking turns. So like, that's one thing I want to say. I also just want to honor and highlight and underline, I still struggle to talk about sex with my master, even though that was the origin of our relationship. That's like the thing. But it's like once I catch feelings, also because my early experiences with partners trying to communicate about sex were so terrible, like they caused fights because I wasn't good at communicating and I got crinkly instead of lovey and I didn't know how to do it. And so it would all just explode. So like, I think there's just like processes and it's so different for each person because it's like you're still the same person that was able to at Starbucks be like, so that was the worst sex I've ever had. And so like I just want to highlight that. But what I'm hearing you say is that it sounds like you do ultimately talk about it, like you are talking about it. And how is that for you? Is he able to then use words outside or like or is it just like you both are trying and so you keep trying? (laughs) Well, I do a debrief after sex. Like after we have sex, usually I'm like, I want to hear what was good, what you liked, what you didn't like. And I've always, maybe that's the behavior analytics side of me. Like I just want to kind of talk about it right in the moment. And then for me too, I want to make sure I highlight things that I like so that they will continue, you know, or things that maybe didn't work for me. When I try to communicate in the moment, like while we're having sex for this partner, I've realized that's not the best time. Like, obviously I have my safe words and things like that, that he would respect, but sometimes the way I come off is a little bit direct. Mm -hmm. So he will then take offense and then it kind of just shuts the whole thing down. So 
obviously he would respect me if I was like, yeah, can we switch positions? But if there's like technical feedback, babe, can you move two inches to the left, please? And sometimes he'll tell me like, well, maybe next time you could say it like this. And Mm -hmm. so we do have that communication so I can, you know, kind of work on that in the moment. But most of our conversations about it happen afterwards or before. So like, here's something I want to try or, you know, here's something that happened that maybe we could, you know, change next time. I guess it's mostly coming from me. I give a lot of feedback and ask a lot of questions. And he would say this if you were right here. Everything's fine for him. Like, he'd be fine just having straight up vanilla missionary sex and it'd be good. And he would be fine doing all the things we're doing and he likes it too. He did say he's getting into it. Like, we took this know your, I think someone on your podcast earlier was like, know what your sex style is. Like the Jaya, is it the blueprint? I think it's like Jaya's blueprint. Yeah, yeah. And so he actually identified as kinky and I was like... What? He was like, well, there's not that many questions, blah, blah, blah. So the validity of that, I don't know. But I do think there are things that we do that he enjoys. Um, You know, I know he's into like the anal sex. I know he's into the toys. I think he's into the power dynamics. I think he likes the breath play, you know, so I'm just slowly kind of guiding him. We just recently made a FetLife profile because I'm like, is there a community here in Guam? Is there a community? and you're in Guam and there's a king community, please find me just to kind of see what's out here. Cause it's a really interesting Island. We haven't gone anywhere further with that. I'm interested in twosomes, threesome, more some. That was my next question. Okay. Yeah. Cause you're monogamous, but is he open to that? And what are the sex shops like in Guam also? Where do you like? Oh my gosh. The sex shops in Guam still have VHSs. This Guam is like stepping back in time. Our text messages cannot picture message. Like unless you have iPhone to iPhone and you're iMessaging, like the actual messaging software. Mm -mm. So there's only like a couple on Island. They're so outdated. And for me, I really like to like feel things. I have to feel the material if I'm going to like it. I'm really specific. And so everything's in these like crinkly packages where you can't touch it. And I've gone, I've gotten like maybe one or two things. It's like a little small room with, but there's still VHSs. There's still VHSs. There's still paper magazines. It's so endearing to that point, but there's, there's really not much uh, sex shops. There is strip clubs here. Well, obviously COVID is a little bit different. And then there's lots of happy ending massage parlors here. So you guys are on fat life open to threesomes and moresomes. Has he ever had one? Have you talked about it? We have talked about it. We're definitely interested, but I know right now, personally, my ideal situation would be me and like a, well, there's so many ideal situations. Oh my gosh. Two straight men and like all the attention on me. Yes, Mm. yes, yes. We're not at the point in our relationship where we could invite other people in and it could be a healthy thing for the two of us. There's like steps we want to take and communication we have to have to try that. And he definitely has admitted like he's just not there yet. It has been hard for me. So this is my first partner after my ex-husband. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to be in a monogamous relationship. You know, I I am definitely interested in open relationships. I think a lot of that makes sense to me for a lot of reasons. So we're kind of just exploring that right now. And I would love to just at least start with finding a sex party and like going because I've never been at all. And so just going with a partner, even if just him and I are going to be participating with one another, just being that environment. I'm definitely into voyeurism. I think I could be into like exhibitionism. I just want to be like around it and meet other kinky people. And I feel like there's like eight people on FetLife from Guam. I truly feel that way. It's so small. And right now with COVID, I think a lot of things aren't just happening, but I, I'm just like, how do I meet people? How do I get in on this? And I'm trying. 
Do you feel like your sex life has changed at all since you start? I know it's only been six weeks, but since starting your program or thinking about starting your program, like has that shifted your personal life at all yet? Other than the fact that I'm just always horny because I'm always thinking and reading and talking about sex. <laughs> I don't think it's had too much effect yet, but I definitely could see that being a thing, especially as we're starting to get into like different dysfunctions or different kinks or different like lifestyles. You know, I know in the future we're talking about how partners navigate different sexual desire drives. And like, I just know there's a lot of stuff that's applicable to my relationship coming up. Yeah. So I'm sure it will play a piece, but it's not yet had effect other than the fact that I'm just always thinking about sex and I'm already always kind of thinking about sex. It just like brought it to a new level. Oh my God, I can relate. Also, you mentioned getting into dirty talk and how that's newer for him. How are you kind of working your way into that in a way that feels comfy? I think all of the things that we're trying, I'm comfortable with, but I think the balance is that, how do I say this? He's like the kindest, sweetest human. And so I'm wondering if I'm putting him in a box by thinking like he couldn't be the guy to like throw me down and like do these things to me. So for me, I'm trying to take him out of that box and be like, okay, yeah, he could be the guy to talk really dirty and be convincing. He could probably say in the most convincing way, but maybe in the back of my mind, I'm like, you don't really think that. Like, I think that's where the hangup is. We feel comfortable. I mean, as far as he's shared, he's comfortable with what he's doing. But for me, it's like really, okay, yeah, he's doing this because he wants to, one, and two, he's enjoying it, and three, he actually means it, and don't laugh. Well, I think that's so beautifully stated. And I also just like as a person that went from trying to like figure out anything to say via text message and then like haltingly being like, I want to have sex with you now and just trying and then like feeling so stupid, even though it was true. Once I finally found a partner where I felt like I could trust that my desire for him was not going to be yucked, basically, because what has happened for me historically is like I have a huge amount of sexual desire. And then when I think I'm allowed to share it, then people are like, oh, ew. Like, obviously, I wanted you sexually and not as a girlfriend. But like, now you're being too sexual. Ew. And so all of my early attempts got really, really squashed. And I just didn't know how to be. But when I had someone that like would show me their examples and then affirmed the desire, I was able to unlock. So I'm always just like curious to hear dirty talking details from people. Because that progression, I think, for me, it was really, really tender. And like, now I feel very confident. But it wasn't always that way. Oh, man, I'm excited for you guys. Okay, so you have so much on your horizon. Is there anything you haven't shared with us yet that you want to explore going forward? I mean, I think listening to your podcast has like opened up. I have so many fantasies. <laughs> like what? Wait, list a couple at least. So we think about, okay, how are we logistically going to do this? How are we realistic? So one of my fantasies is definitely like a massage that turns into either sex or just someone getting me off. And because of our relationship and he doesn't want anyone else to do it, we got to find a place that I'm going to go for a massage and we do go for massages. So that's not irregular, but then you have to like pay extra or whatever. So you can be the person massaging me and I'm face down. So I don't know. And then you kind of start and like, it just turns into it. And then it's like, you're fucking me. Uh, That'd be great. So I'm hoping. Yeah. Or if he's willing, someone else can do it. You know, that's fine with me. Uh, he did say he'd be more willing to have a female masseuse. So I don't know. Love. I think that's on a realistic horizon for yeah. us. Cool. And cool. then I've never seen porn ever in my life. How? I think it started with being insecure and then just not knowing where to find it. And I'm not super tech person. I just have never seen it. And then 
when I started learning more about sex and in my coursework, I'm like, I really think maybe this research is already out there. Like, how does porn affect us, you know, how we have sex? Because one of the first things when I started having sex was that I was kind of quiet. Mm. And I think that might have been because I'd never seen porn. So I've never faked an orgasm. I think I make noise now, but I'm not like over the top. Then for a while, I just was like, okay, I've never seen porn. I'm still never going to see porn because if I want to do this research, I don't know if anyone has never seen porn before. Like I might be my only person. So (laughs) yes. But in realizing that I can't just research myself, I think that's on our horizon. He actually mentioned it like a couple nights ago, like, would you want to try? So, you know, I definitely think that's on our horizon to watch. I filmed myself. I filmed in like a time-lapse version. So it's like fast. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Definitely interested in filming like straight time, but I want it because I I still really struggle with like insecurities and body and Mm. stuff. I want to record it. I want to be able to watch it first before anyone else can watch it. And I want it to be on my phone or my camera or whatever. Like I want to have it. And then after I view it and I'm like, oh, I'm okay with how this looks, then I'll let you have it. But it's definitely in our future because I want to. I definitely want to record it. I know someone on your podcast mentioned like watching themselves masturbate like with a mirror. I'm like, I've never done that. I need to do that. So I think that's on our horizon. I think water sports is on our horizon to try and other fantasies. There's so many. That's so cool. What about nudes? It, It sounds like you are fairly body conscious. Do you like them? Do you do them? Do you play with them at all? I, I'll totally, I'll do them. Yeah. Because if I can see it first yeah, and make sure it's good, then I'm totally fine with sending it. So I will do nudes. I have filmed myself masturbating, but for him, yeah. for partners in general, I will send, you know, whatever it's going to be out there. It's out there. I have a pole actually here in my house. So I'm learning uh, dancing. Cool. I will film stuff and, and share it. Yeah with him. I share with my, not masturbating with my friends, but I'll share pull stuff with my friends. I'm totally into sending it. I just feel like I don't get, I don't want to say I don't get asked for it, but like, I don't want to like push it. Sometimes I just feel like in a lot of aspects, I'm just like pushing my sexuality. And so like, if I feel sexy or whatever, I'm going to take a picture or I'm going to do this, but then I don't want to just like, and here you go, because I don't know if he wants it. And so I'm still navigating that too. Whereas he's just like, I always want it. I just, maybe he's just not as vocal. Maybe he's just, I don't know. He's navigating and learning too. Yeah. I think my master has a very similar thing. He's kind of stopped giving me orders. He's got a lot going on in his life, but I don't want to just like give him stuff because then I don't feel appreciated. Like I have to be certain that he's in a headspace to like respond because the thing that makes me feel like consistently terrible is if I'm like sending a nude and just like not really getting much of a response, you know, so that's definitely a a dance there, even if like in theory, yes, they always want it. Yeah, he did say, I was like, you don't really ever send me any nudes or anything. And he's like, I sent you two and you never said anything to them. And I'm like, oh no, like, did I really like, and and I haven't looked back, but he was like, yeah, I sent one. And then you never really said anything about it. And then I I even mentioned it and you didn't respond. And then later I sent another one, like a different day, weeks later. And I was like, like, I'm so sorry. Like, please send me more and I will respond. So what are your sexual hopes for yourself going forward in life? I just want to continue trying new things and having an open mind and having partners with open minds in the realm of this relationship. I hope we can get to the point where we can explore more with more partners or, you know, other things like for myself, just getting over whatever my hangups might be to just really explore the everything. I just want everything. That's kind of my hopes for just my sexual experience in general. Is there anything about your sex life 
that we need to know for it to feel like a complete picture, whether that's specific stories or preference or just anything we haven't covered yet? For a long time, I really, in this relationship, which is newer, like struggling, like, is it okay that this sex is this important in this relationship? If sex doesn't necessarily get where we want or we can't connect, is that an okay enough reason to end this relationship? And I think that it's important to know I'm trying and we're trying to figure it out, but we have very open, honest communication that this very well might not be the right fit because we can't get this to work. And that's okay. That's like the only thing that I want to share is that if sex is important to you or if it's not important to you, wherever you fall on that spectrum, um, it's okay that it's a big part of your life and a part of your relationship. I feel like I always need to hear that. Earlier when you were telling us about your first experience, it was a non-consensual experience. Can you just briefly highlight for us what you did for yourself to heal and take care of yourself in this landscape where you did not have support and kept it a secret? Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't take care of myself until I finally did share. You know, I did have to talk to somebody, whether it was family or friends or a therapist. So like I mentioned, that professor who talked about consent in a way that I had never heard it was really the first step for me to be like, okay, yeah, it's okay to feel like this was a problem, you know, and all the things that society had made me feel like, well, it didn't really count because this, it didn't really count because of that, you know, letting go of those things and be like, no, this was non-consensual and it's okay to feel this way about it was the first step. Like that validating that I should have never needed anyways, sharing with family. And then I did, you know, I'm a big proponent of therapists and mental health. I think everybody, you know, go talk to somebody. It's just so, so important. That was a big piece to help me heal. And then navigating that with partners, because it does affect me even still, even though I can talk about it, there are times it hasn't happened in a while, but I don't even know what it is. Like It's not something that's said, or maybe it's something that done where I just will like freeze and I need to turn on the lights and I need to look at my partner and maybe sex isn't happening and something is bringing me back. But I do have that open communication with my partners moving forward that this was an experience for me and that has helped me heal and process. And even though that happened it doesn't have to, for me personally, affect, like, it's okay that I still want to have sex. It's okay that I'm interested that I want to study it. You know, that didn't have to put a damper on everything that I want and enjoy. Yeah. Thank you for that. Lastly, could you tell us if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick? And what would you say? I thought about this for so long and I was like, I, don't, I think I would just probably go back to little second grade, third grade me and just tell myself that everything that I was doing and trying is okay. And when my sister asks me about masturbating, just talk to her. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad. Like, just talk about it and talk to her. Because if we all would have talked growing up, I think we would have just had much healthier sex lives much earlier on in our lives. So just to be comfortable and not feel so shameful. Fuck yeah. Also, have you told her that? Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. And I just recently brought up the vibrator story because I was like, Matt, I just like we Marco Polo. And I was like, do you remember this? I'm so sorry. Like, why did it matter? So what? Like, I'm sorry that we all laughed at you. Like, that's so rude. And I've just been thinking about all the things that like happened growing up. Like, yeah, that was kind of weird. Or why didn't we? Yeah. So I have. Gorgeous. Do you have a sex question for me? I guess my sex question would be, I have two. You can choose which one you'd rather answer or both. One, what is something that you either like to give or receive that makes you feel the most shameful or that you maybe haven't admitted? And the second question is, is there anything that you've tried that you're like, yeah, I definitely don't want to do that ever again? Ooh, have I tried something I don't want to do ever again? 
literally the only things that I'm like, no, that's not for me is like tickling and velvet stuff, like stuff I already knew was on my hard red list. I actually don't think I've explored enough of my own desires to have reached the things that I'd be like, I don't know if I need to do that again. You know, I haven't done blood play. I've gotten electrocuted, but only a little bit. You know what I mean? Neon wand, violet wand, like that's it. I still think I have so much to explore and I'll keep thinking about this because this is a good example of something where I'm not thinking of it right now and I might realize later that I'm a liar. To go back to your first question, the thing that I feel the most shame about that I've gotten off on, I think it's split. Like definitely water sports is up there for me. But I also don't feel as much sharp shame around that because... It's just part of all the kinky weirdness. And there's part of me that's like so proud of it too. That's like, I like a weird thing, you know, like, and so there is this part of me that's like, no, really, look, I'm, I'm kinky and weird. So like that's happening. I think the thing that I fucking love the most that I actually do get off on that I'm not proud of, but really is the way that I am, is my like other woman kink. Like I love being a third. Now I've grown up and I love to be now the other woman for someone who has an agreement with their partner. Like, I have stopped seeing people who are, like, not above board with their partners. And I do check in. Like, I'm like, can you show me a video of you sitting next to your partner with them saying, yes, this is my partner. Go fuck them. I don't want to know about it. If it's a don't ask, don't tell. You know, I've moved into that territory. But I absolutely still get off on even just flirting with people who I know are out of bounds to the point where like I won't put myself in situations where I'm like oh that's like the hottest candy like if someone is attractive to me which is most people and like clearly also is attracted to me which I like and also has a monogamous partner like that for me is like candy I definitely shouldn't eat so I have to stay away and I feel cultural shame about that because I don't no part of me enjoys being a shit starter or like fucking up people's relationships. And in fact, I've experienced that and I have such a strong guilt, sad fear response to it that like, no, but those are the things. And I think I just have to keep exploring until I find something that I don't want to do again. I guess the thing that I don't want to do again is I no longer want to fuck people who are in a monogamous relationship and don't have a good agreement with their partner. That's it. Oh my God. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I just, I'm so excited. I could just keep going. 